Welcome back, everybody, to the MMA Breeze. It's season two, episode one, and we're kicking it off with a banger. We have the baddest woman on the face of planet Earth, a two-time judo Olympian champion, uh, a two-time PFL champion, uh, Kayla Harrison. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. I'm great. You know, world-class athletes like yourself, usually there's never really an off season for you guys. I know um, the PFL gives you guys that time away from competition. So Mm -hmm. it it must be nice, but I just wanted to ask how that's been treating you and uh, how much you appreciate that current aspect of your career. Yeah, it's been, um, it's been good. You know, I, after my fight, I took some actual time off. We went home to Ohio. Um, I didn't train for like I don't know, a solid two weeks maybe. Um, and just kind of rested my body because four fights in five and a half months is a lot of wear and tear. And I've been doing this since I was six years old. I've been doing two a days since I was like 12 years old. So my body needed a little bit of a rest. Um, and then I started back to one a days and just training and, um, you know, getting better, not like not training for anything specific, but just getting better. And that, that has been nice. Um, it gave me some free time to like, I helped coach my daughter's soccer team this season. And I've been spending more time with my son and just doing, you know, a lot of play dates, a lot of Christmas stuff that I normally don't get to do because the finals are on New Year's Eve. So we had a pretty magical Christmas and, and got to see our family again in Ohio. So it's been nice. It's been really good. Um, but I'm back at it, back at it again, back to to two days. I can't, I couldn't last. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, deserved, I'm sure. So that's that's great to hear. Um, yeah. but it's hard to. My son is homesick, by the way. Sorry. Oh, no. Yes, honey. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, did you want to say hi really quick? Uh, Hello. Oh, nice burp. Say hi. Okay, go finish your movie, okay? <laughs> and we can pause if you need to, Kayla, too. So don't worry. I'll get him some juice now. Hey, hey, take some deep breaths. He's really sick. And we're back. No worries. No worries. No, it's uh, it's cool to see a first person take of you being a mom. That was sweet. So if you, if you got to do that. Just let me know. I'm totally cool. Yeah, he's uh, normally he's super easy going, but he definitely does not feel good. So he's cranky. But. That's all good. That's all good. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll jump back into what you were saying about the two a days, Kayla. I know it would be uh, hard for us as fans to imagine you getting much better, you know, the, the type <laughs> of things you put on. But uh, what, what are some things that you are working on that you're excited to show off come 2022? Yeah, I mean, I just think that I've become much more well-rounded and, and sort of dangerous fighter. You know, obviously, I haven't really had to showcase any of the skills that I've gained um, thus far in my career. I'm 12 fights in. Everyone just knows me as a, a judo player or a grappler. But this entire time I've been working on striking. I've been working on, um, you know, fancy jujitsu submissions and stuff like that. So I'm excited that maybe this year I get to fight a, an opponent who's, um, who forces that out of me, maybe, you know, probably not because I'm the best grappler in the world, but maybe who knows? Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, I, I speaking of grappling and, uh, and working, I know you post a lot with, uh, Steve Mako, Mako Mondays. Um, can you tell us a, a little bit more about what that is about that theme and how it came to be? Uh, <laughs> well, Mako is just like, you know, he's, 
God, I could do a whole episode on Mako alone. Um, he's just this, he's the bear, you know? I mean, he's a, an amazing coach. He's also happens to be his family and my family are really good friends. And um, he's also a really, really fucking funny guy. And um, he just says stuff that I was like, for me personally, there's no better way to start the week than with wrestling on Monday with Mako because he's like, you know, those old school wrestling workouts, that mentality of like, you're going to go and you're going to go and you're going to go and you're going to go. And you're like, you, the, even the drilling is hard. Like, I swear to God, this is, a, this is a true story. We'll do like a hard warm up, you know, like sprints, everything, like burp, like everything, hard warm up, And then we'll drill for 45 minutes, like hard drilling. I'm talking like blast doubles, shots, this, this, that, that, uh, okay, now they're, now they're sprawling. And then you got to re you know, recycle it and this and that and like hard drilling. And I'm pouring sweat and he'll walk up to me and I'm like, Hey, are you feeling good yet? Are you warm? You think you're ready? To go <laughs> and I'm like, warm. Mako, I am in, I am in hell. Like, what are you talking about? I'm on fire. Like I'm in fuego. Let's go. Like I have nothing left to go live with. I'm exhausted. That's funny. That's funny. Um, but he's super motivating and I just, I like to get his take in the beginning of the week. It's a great, great way to start off the week for me. I call him Mako-isms. He's got a lot of them. He always gets a little camera shy, which also makes it kind of funny to me. So yeah, no, Mako Mondays are the best, best way to start. I, I encourage everyone to find a Mako and make it Mako Monday. <laughs> That's great. I, um, I was messaging him as well on Instagram, seeing if we can get him on here for, uh, the season two MMA breeze, but he seems like a, I've watched the flow films on him. You know, I've, Dang, I've, he turned you down, didn't he? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah I'm, I'm a, sorry. I'm, oh no. I'm a, I'm a huge uh, wrestling fan in general of the sport because I grew up wrestling. So I love wrestling, but uh, you know, it's, it's funny because we saw the conversations of you, Khabib and, and Henry talking about mm -hmm. versus wrestling um, and Khabib's dad <laughs> and Khabib's father obviously was very respected and known on the judo scene. Um, and so Khabib sided with you as far as telling Henry that he thinks judo is the tougher sport. Um, and there's the, you know, there's the famous Dan Gable quote, once you do uh, wrestling, everything else in life is easy. So just tell us, uh, you're someone who's deep in the trenches you do a lot of all sorts of grappling what is the hardest style for you and why oh man I mean I will say that probably just because of the position like there's something about wrestling where because it's like strength versus strength in a lot of positions obviously you can use technique and judo you have a gi and it's kind of like finesse and um you're able to use your opponent's momentum against them and stuff but without a gi and I'm wrestling with the guys you know nine times out of ten so wrestling is really hard on my body like physically hard I would say on my body yeah. um mentally the hardest workout usually is striking for me just because I'm a perfectionist and I'm not where I want to be and it's like I get frustrated and uh, pissed off at myself, but I mean, I also like, I, I'm not, I don't go to a single practice where I like leave, you know, hating my life. Like I always feel better after I work out. So it, I love my life. Like I'm so blessed to get to do what I love every single day and call it work.
Yeah, we love that. I'll tell you from somebody who works a nine to five, I definitely, <laughs> definitely fantasize about that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. Um, you're chasing it. You're doing it. Yeah, we're doing this little side thing. So yeah, no, I appreciate you and everyone else helping me uh, feel like I'm doing something more. So thank you. But, um, you know, before we leave Henry Cejudo, there's uh, something I wanted to ask. He's he says a lot of things, right? Some funny things, some serious things. Something he said a few times, we haven't heard much of it lately, was he was calling for that intergender, intersex fight between him and Shevchenko. My question to you, or Valentina Shevchenko, my question to you is, if the UFC came up to Kayla Harrison today and said, Kayla, here's the contract, your debut is Henry Cejudo, are you signing right there and then? Oh my God, are you kidding me? I do it for free. <laughs> no, it's funny, I know... Uh, He's a uh, very interesting character. So we would, we would, love um, no, he's actually a great guy, but I would dust him. I would just not <laughs> with him. I would love to see it. I would pay to see it. I would pay to see it. So some, he'd, he'd fly Air Kayla, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. Um, and another star that uh, something happened recently a video surfaced of you and Ronda Rousey grappling at like a really young age. Um, so mm -hmm. I wanted to see is was that a one-off did you guys run into each other quite a bit growing up and uh do you have you ever had uh any type of relationship with Rhonda yeah so um Rhonda and I were training partners and teammates and roommates um during her judo career so um I saw there I know there's a clip on YouTube of us at a tournament when I'm before I moved to Boston I think I'm like 14 or 15 or something and I competed against her um, I think we competed against each other twice and she won both times. Um, but yeah, we, we used to be pretty close back in the day. Um, you know, she was a big part of the reason why I moved to Boston. She was the, the best female judo player in the country and I wanted to be that. And if you want to be the best, you got to train with the best. Obviously the coaches, the Pedros are also um, just had a stable full of champions. They've produced pretty much every Olympic medalist in the past 30 years at this point. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, when, when I was younger before, I would say, especially before I moved to Boston, she used to, um, she used to whoop on me. Mm. And then um, she, in 2008, she won a bronze medal at the Olympics and took a year off. I'm, a, I'm a, a four or five years younger than her. So she took a year off and I stayed and I was training at that time. I won the junior worlds. And then in 2009, she came back and all of a sudden it was kind of like that year, you know, I had really made a ton of progress and I had really exponentially, my judo had just kind of, my judo and my confidence kind of exploded. And it was no longer like big sis beating up little sis anymore. It was, um, you know, there were some battles at Pedro's Judo. I'll say that there were some, some wars that went on and it was, uh, the good old days. <laughs> I wish we could see them. I wish we could see them. Yeah. It was, I mean, honestly, I'm grateful for it. You know, she was, I, I feel like I'm really blessed in the sense that in my lifetime and my careers, um, both Judo and MMA, I've had a chance and an opportunity to train with the best women. Um, and they've really been inspiring to me and, and people that I look up to and really people that I want to become and be better than like in my own way, you know, and, and that's kind of the biggest compliment I can give to Rhonda or to someone like Amanda, you know, like those are the people that I chase and that I want to surpass. So eventually I did with Rhonda and um, we'll see what's going to happen with 
with everything else. Yeah, we are. We will see. We don't know when, but we will see. And I know the world is biting their nails. So yeah, me uh, so, too. Yeah, I bet. I bet. And you know, you and Amanda, speaking of her, have an awesome relationship because it seems like the world would love to have you guys go at each other's necks. But every time you speak, it's it's lovely things, you know, support and all that good stuff. So uh, just wanted to know, have you gotten a chance to connect with her since since the fight with Juliana? And uh, is she, how is her mental doing? If you have any insight to that? Yeah, um, you know, I talked to her that night and then we just like have kept in touch a little bit. They, they, she and Nina have been taking some time off doing some family stuff and haven't been back to the gym or anything yet. So I haven't really had a heart to heart or anything with her, but you know, she know, I mean, I texted her that night, <laughs> some, I said some mean things about Juliana and I, you know, I said like, we got this and, mm -hmm. um, I got your back basically. So, um, you know, she knows, she knows that, um, I'm in her corner and, you know, as long as, you know, as long as we're both a part of ATT, there's never going to be any animosity or, um, I mean, yeah, I don't, I have no ill will or I'm excited for her to, to make her come back and, and go get that win back, you know? Yeah. And that was something I was going to ask you as well is, you know, a lot of, People have been saying, even Dana made a comment on it, like, oh, now that Amanda lost, like, that's a huge blow for Kayla Harrison, the matchup and the, the suspense and everything I was building with that. Mm -hmm. um, I know you've said, and, and Amanda has have both come out and said, hey, my career is my own, her career is her own, you know, mm -hmm. so, but from a teammate standpoint, you know, I know obviously it fires you up to see something like that happen. Does it interest you at all now a little bit more to fight Juliana yourself or to get that one? Yeah, for back? sure, I would fight. Yeah, for sure, I would fight Juliana. I don't think that she's going to, I mean, it's, uh, you know, she fights at 135. I don't think she's ever going to feel comfortable coming up to 145. Um, I'm comfortable going down to 145, but I'd have to like chop off a leg to make 135. Yeah. Um, it's already going to be, you know, I'm going to have to have a slew of team of professionals to, just to do the other. slap my hand when I want to eat the chocolate to get down to 145. Right. <laughs> so, um, I won't see 135. We can, uh, we can say that. Yeah. 135, I think is, um, you know, that's like, I just don't believe, I just don't like, I'm just not a huge fan of that also, you know, like why would I put my body through absolute hell and misery and then ask it to go, go perform at peak performance 24 hours later. Like, it's just like yeah. the whole, the whole process is very stupid to me. Like it doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but I would definitely fight Juliana. I mean, I think like if she wanted to meet me in the middle, since I'm 155 right now and she's 135, 100% we can make that go down. That would be a fun, fun fight. I mean, um, Real quick before we get away from the weight cutting, that's such an interesting topic. Um, controversy for a long time. Um, I've seen people leave leave teams and sports because of it. Um, what you know, you you've been doing it your whole life, making weight, staying in a weight class. So it's it's mm -hmm. interesting to hear from such a decorated grappler your take on that. Do you think that that there should be across the board changes with the way we make weight classes and fighters yeah. make? Weight? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, there's kind of just this old school mentality, um, that comes from wrestling that comes from judo that comes from all of these weight cutting sports, um, into MMA where it's like, Oh, the bigger I am, the better I'll be. 
Like if I starve myself and lose 45 pounds and make 155 when I walk around at 200 pounds, like I'm going to be the better fighter. And science (laughs) shows you that that's just not the case, you know, like, um, and I just, I just don't, you know, hopefully us pretty thick skulled MMA fighters catch up to that sooner rather than later. But for me, you know, I learned that lesson early on in judo. I used to fight at 130. I used to compete in judo at 135, 63 kilos. Um, I mean, I started, I mean, my first Olympic trials at 48 kilos, so 105 pounds. And I was like going to middle school, eating like a plum in a spinach salad. And my friends are like plowing pizza. (laughs) And I was like, miserable, emaciated, like stunting my own growth, basically, because I was like starving myself. And then I moved up to 52 kilos. And then I moved up to 57 kilos. And then I moved up to 63 kilos. And then when I moved to Boston, I was fighting, I was competing at 63 kilos. And I was like 18, 16. And Rhonda was at 70 kilos. And my judo coaches, Jimmy and Big Jim were just like, I was starving still hungry all the time. I was also going through like a very tough um, you know, I had just told my mom that I was sexually abused. Like my life was in shambles basically. And I'm a high school kid and I'm trying to deal with all this stuff and make weight and like learn how to be happy and like suffering from PTSD, all this crazy stuff and have a career, a judo career. And my coaches just said, listen, like you're moving up, you're moving up two weight classes, not one, but two. And I was like, no way I can't do it. I'll never win. They're too big. Like blah, 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 blah. And they just said, listen, if you want to win, you'll win at whatever weight you fight at. Like, it's that simple. It really, like, you just set your mind to it. And it didn't, like, happen overnight, but I got to the gym. I lifted. I got big as shit. I got strong. I got fast. I got explosive. I put my mind to it. And I ended up becoming junior world champion and then world champion and then two-time Olympic champion and America's only Olympic champion. Like, you know, but I wasn't, like, I probably wasn't built for that weight class, but I made it. I mean, I was built in the sense that then I was happy, you know, then I was eating what I wanted. I was eating like 6,000 calories a day. I was enjoying my life. I was like living, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I didn't like have to think about every, every single workout wasn't about how much weight did I lose? Yeah. Every workout became about how much better can I get? Right. And then I got way better, way faster, you know? Yeah. So Makes that's sense. a lesson that I had to learn though, you know, through experience. And, and I hope that fighters can take a look at, um, my career, for instance, or other people, like I've only been doing this sport for three years and I've got, I feel like I've gotten really good, really fast. And a a part of that is because I don't like, I'm not constantly thinking about, Oh my God, did I lose the three pounds that I needed to lose to be close to weight this work out and I just focus on getting better every single day and I love my life like I eat if I want a brownie I eat a brownie if I you know like I don't I don't suffer you know and I know that um sacrifice it it will take sacrifice to reach my goals and I'm not afraid to to make sacrifices but you better believe for as long as I can I'm gonna you know (laughs) enjoy my life and yeah you know, it's yeah. hopefully a lot of fighters, hopefully a lot, like a happy fighter. What is, who says that a happy fighter is a dangerous fighter, you know? So I'm going to stay in that sense, happy as long as I can. Yeah. Um, and that's happy, happy, such a hard thing to maintain and 
high level. I mean, listen, sports. like happy is a real, like it's not a real thing, you know, happiness. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, happiness is kind of like, um, I don't even really chase that anymore. I used to as a kid where I'm going deep on you. Sorry. We're just going oh, go to go, we're, we're go with the flow with this one. Yeah. It's not even really like about for me, like happiness is what is happiness? Like, are all of my needs met? Are my kids safe? Are they healthy? Is there a roof over our head? Is there food on our table? Um, you know, is everyone safe? You know, loved, soothed, secure, seen, like part of the human condition is to suffer. So I no longer go through my life trying to avoid suffering. I just try and adapt an attitude of of gratitude about the suffering and realize that it's all part of the journey. It's all part of the process. It's okay to feel what you feel and have to go through what you have to go through. But um, I guess peace is more of what I have versus happiness. Like, yeah. And, and, you know, for somebody that made it to the highest level of pretty much everything you do uh, with, with judo and fighting, you know, um, what, what could you suggest to parents or kids about, you know, staying with something, how, how to not burn out, how to keep the mm-hmm. passion alive? Well, I think number one, like so many kids start to specialize so young nowadays. And I think that's, uh, that's a tough, like, you know, kids should do all sports. Kids should, kids should have fun. Kids should be kids. Like when I was a kid, I did judo and and I started at age six and then I quit everything, but I should have played everything. I should have done all of it. You know, I should have had that time to be a kid. Um, and I think that, you know, one very important lesson that I am trying to instill in my own kids, um, you know, my daughter, Kyla is, she's going to be nine next month and she does soccer right now. And she's like, I don't want to go. And it's hard. And, um, I'm helping coach the team and like the girls get like tired. And I'm like, listen, you know, we have a lot of fun. We do like a lot of fun stuff in the practices, but I, I, one thing that I say to them, like we started our own little mantras, like how often do we have to try hard? And then they scream back at me all the time. And I'm like, you know, like I've got them like, I've got them programmed. So it's like, listen, I don't care if you have to walk, but keep going. Like we're going to try our best all the time. And that's, that's, that's how I live my life. That's how I think, you know, I think if everyone lived their life like that, if they, they woke up every day and tried to be the best possible version of themselves, we'd have a lot happier or more peaceful people. Like, and that's not to say that like, I'm perfect every, like, I don't try to be perfect anymore. I just try to be me. Like some days my best is me sitting on the couch watching Disney movies with my son. Cause I'm like, yo, I'm exhausted. And I need to listen to my body and myself. And I don't feel like doing shit. <laughs> like, but it's also like, you have to know like, okay, no, like I've got more in the tank today. I'm going to run an extra mile or I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to like, you just have to find that balance. But I would say for kids, like man, you have to try hard all the time and nothing in life worth having is easy. Like all of those people who have, um, like all those people that have stuff that you want, they worked really hard to get it. I guarantee you that like nothing worth having in life is easy. 
Amen. So very true. So very true. And you put that on display for all of us with the, with the outcomes you've achieved and the work that you put yeah. in. So you don't just preach it, you practice it. So good stuff. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you, you speak in a family, you have this beautiful family. You've been very vocal about prioritizing it. And uh, mm-hmm. I love that. Um, so the, the PFL obviously has given you a great platform. They promote you. They, mm-hmm. uh, they have the salary and then the 1 million incentive, which is awesome. Um, but I'm sure, you know, the, the other organizations have their bells and whistles. You know, I wanted to just get a take of what, what attracts you the most about each organization, like the UFC or Bellator and then PFL? Yeah, I mean, I think realistically, it comes down to legacy versus security, you know, that's, um, that's where I'm at in my life, you know, I have, I do have two beautiful children that I just adopted that um, need me to be successful. So it's a tough, it's a tough position, I think, Um, a year ago, I wouldn't have I would have just been like, all right, like I'm chasing my legacy that it is what it is, you know, like, (laughs) but life, life comes at you fast, man. Like, um, you know, I, I like all the organizations for different reasons. I think, um, I love the PFL. I have nothing but good things to say about them. They've been really good to me. We've had a great, um, great relationship and I feel like we've grown together, you know, and that's not, there've been some hiccups and there've been some, some stuff that I wasn't super thrilled about but I have nothing but good things to say about the people who work there the people who make it what it is um the fighters the the format you know I I truly believe in the format I believe it's the future of MMA I think that it's um a much better way for fighters to be in control of their own destiny you know and you can't have you can't have these events without the fighters so I I think it's a great a great place, a great landing spot for a lot of fighters. I'm sure we're going to see a lot of future stars come out of the PFL, um, no matter what. And obviously Bellator, you know, I hear nothing but good things about them. They have Cyborg. She's one of the greats. You know, I really want to test myself. I want to push myself. I want to fight the greats. You know, I make, make no, um, like that's not a secret. You know, I have no problem fighting anybody, uh, And UFC is, is right now the monopoly, you know, the UFC is whether you're, uh, you know, whether you're a casual MMA fan or hardcore, like the UFC is what everyone considers the greatest of the great, the elite of the elite. And I think, even though I don't think the competition is as deep as everyone believes, like everyone always says, oh, you're fighting cans and this and that. And like, you go look at the the records of some of the female fighters in the, in the UFC. And I'm like, their records are 50, 50. Like, what are you talking about? They're exact same. I'm fighting the exact same caliber. Like oh, no doubt. I think there are some of those women in the PFL and the UFC. I think a lot of people would be surprised. At some oh, hundred percent. No, hundred percent. People just like, they associate the UFC with, with greatness, which is fine. Like the UFC has done a good job. You know, they, they have done their job of, of, creating stars and creating an aura and mystique of like, if you want to be a real fighter, you have to fight here. Mm-hmm. And. Well, there's a fine line between scouting and promoting, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Different. So I think um, we, but I mean, I do believe that the UFC does 
is in the business of also bringing the best fighters to them. Like, I don't think that they're just like pulling one over everyone. Like they do have the, like a, a lot of the best fighters. They just don't have all of the best fighters. Um, and listen, women's MMA is different than men's MMA right now. You know, there's still not the depth in women's MMA that there is in men. Like you could like, you could go down the top 50 in men's MMA. Like you could find a guy on the street in Brazil, like who's probably a killer, you know, like women's MMA is still getting there. It's still growing. So, um, yeah, I mean, they all, they, they are all, uh, they all call to me in a different way. So yeah, a hundred percent. And something I think about and not to knock, take a jab at belts or anything, but I'm, I'm just genuinely like interested for the answer is like, after you fight cyborg, um, what, what else Mm -hmm is there interesting about Bellator? I mean, in terms of legacy and stability. I mean, I think that they have a better 145 pound division than the UFC. Like after I fight, if I fight Amanda, after I fight Amanda, who do I fight? I mean, there's the Juliana, but you're right. It's not the dead. Like all these girls would be moving up, you know, like same problem everywhere. Like it's not, it's not unique to Bellator in my opinion. So it's kind there of are fighters with big names in the UFC, but are they like a big name? Does that mean you're exactly it goes back to know? skill versus like fame, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's a, a great point is, you know, they both kind of have like a big, a shiny uh, fight for you. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's, then there's everything else you got to weigh out. So I, I know it's a lot, but um, I was thinking I'm working on something right now. That's pretty badass. I'm working on something where I might get both. So, Oh, okay. I mean, I would love that. (laughs) I'd love to see you fight in every organization, fight everybody. But uh, yeah, I know negotiations uh, were going on in Vegas and all that. And, you know, I'm going to take my crack, Kaylee, even though I'm sure you're probably still on the fence, but I was thinking about it. And I know, um, unlike the guys like, uh, like Ariel and ESPN who only want to tune into you on Skype when from afar during the playoffs, there's me who'd swim the Alcatraz to see you fight. doesn't need to be. Oh, the playoffs. Um, so I thought it would be full circle if we just came on here and, and said, you know, what, oh, yeah, this Kayla, is really good. What Kayla Harrison wants really to do, good. where you're leaning the most, where is Kayla Harrison seeing herself fight in 2022? Uh, I want to do it all to be honest with you. I mean, I, uh, you know, I want to change the sport. I want to change the game a little bit. I want to do, I want to, I want to make waves and make money. So, um, and make legacy. So we'll see what happens. I love that. I love that. Well, Kayla, last thing I'm going to go on uh, out with, with a little splash here uh, to take it away from all the Amanda UFC Bellator stuff. Um, you have a passion project with your foundation. The, I do. The Fearless Foundation. Um, we know you have a story there. Um, can you tell us uh, just a little bit about the foundation's initiatives mm-hmm. and where we can go to support it? Absolutely. Um, so I was sexually abused as a child um, by my first judo coach. And um, part of, I feel like part of my purpose and part of the reason why I won two gold medals and I I'm this undefeated fighter and I have this platform that I have is um, to change the world in, in a good way. So the Fearless Foundation um, is kind of like my third child. You know, it's the, it's the thing that, um, it's the driving force behind 
besides my kids, everything, you know, I, I have been, um, I have been a victim and now I'm not just a sur survivor, I'm a thriver. And my goal is for every child who suffers from sexual abuse to reach that point, to get to the point where they um, are at peace, not, not, um, not a victim anymore. And I had a lot of help to get there. You know, it wasn't, it didn't happen overnight and it wasn't something that was easy. And I went through very dark periods. I was suicidal. I had PTSD. I um, suffered tremendously, but I had people around me who believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. And I did have a light at the end of the tunnel. I did have a shiny gold medal at the end of the tunnel. So, you know, my goal is, with the foundation is two, two things. Number one is education. So when I was a child, I never learned anything about, um, you know, I learned all about bullying and safe sex and saying no to drugs. And, uh, like, I don't know, like all these different things, but you don't, you don't learn about what you should do if someone close to you tries to take advantage of you. And it's kind of a conversation that we're starting to have. Um, you know, we have the Me Too movement and we have all these, these scandals that are breaking and people are not as afraid to have the conversation as they once were. It's not as taboo, but there's still really no education. You know, there's really no like, this is what grooming looks like. This is um, how you talk to your kids about if they have a funny feeling in their tummy when someone's close to them or what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. And these are signs to look for. Is your child suffering teenage angst or are they suffering something more than teenage angst? So the first part is education. I wrote a book with two psychologists, psychiatrists from McLean Hospital. It's called Fighting Back. Um, and you can get that on Amazon, I think, or wherever books are sold. Um, and it's basically, it's that, it's an educational piece. It's not a textbook and it's not a memoir. It uses my story with my real life journal entries um, to explain the process of sexual abuse and why kids don't say things and what the court process is like and how you can help them. And, and also gives you a very scientific look at um, and some real life answers in layman's terms on how to deal with PTSD and what victims are going through during each step. Um, so that is really the biggest piece to me is I think if we educate our society and the world, the numbers will go from one in four girls and one in six boys to much lower. Um, and that's my goal. And the second piece of the foundation is what psychologists call mastery. So for me, judo was my mastery. Judo was my thing where I could go and I could just do it. And it was just like, I was just, that was it, you know? And I don't care if it's archery or knitting or painting or I don't know, badminton. Like I have, you know, whatever it is, I want survivors to be able to have a place where they can go and just be themselves and just be, just be. So that piece is going to take a little more time. I'm working on it still, but um, you can find out more and you can donate to the Fearless Foundation at fearlessfoundation.org. Oh, let me just make sure that's the right one. Yeah. Fearless. I don't want to give you the wrong oh, no, no, you're website. That would be embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, fearlessfoundation.org. You can learn more about it. You can donate. You can follow us on Instagram and all the social media platforms. I know trauma is not easy to talk about, but you're turning that into something really, really cool and really positive. And uh, I just want to yeah. say thank you. So no, thanks for asking about it. I'll be damned if I'm going to let my suffering 
turn me into a sad, bitter, angry old cat lady. You know, I'm going to use it to be a light in this world and, and to change the world for the better. And I think we all can do that. We all have that potential. We all have the potential to be a light in this world. Good for you. Good for you, Kay. That's powerful. Very powerful. I mean, I know the easiest thing is to become that cat lady, right? <laughs> That's the easy option. But I would agree. Know? I would agree. <laughs> so, so again, kudos, hats off. Thank you. I really appreciate you opening up a little bit there for us. Um, other than that, is there anything else you want to share with the world before I let you go? No, I just realized I've had this creepy. <laughs> Uh, I almost asked about him a couple of times. <laughs> no, someone got that for my kids for Christmas. They think they're funny. I think it was my strength coach, but. <laughs> Which is um, <laughs> Happy New Year, everyone. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Kayla. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm sure wherever you end up, I'll be there supporting, watching. And uh, I hope we can do this again sometime. For sure. For sure. Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you, Kayla. Take care. Yeah, you too. Thank you.